Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. Haven't said that in a while, Mike. How you doing? It has been a while. We were just catching up saying the last two recording sessions were in a group or with an interview with Ward Larson. And before that, I was on with David McCloskey. And then we hung out with our patrons. But one-on-one, one, one on one, we're back together. Yeah, has, I think before Thanksgiving or like... Is that, is that the last time? Yeah. I guess talking Damascus Station, no? Was right. that the last full book? Yeah, the oh, last no. Time... The spy who came in from the cold. Oh, yeah. We did the spy. Yeah, so. But that felt like a long time ago because we recorded yeah. that one early. Jeez. Well, something it's new today for you, not for me. We haven't yet talked David Slayton and Ward Larson together on the pod. We have not. And, you know, this is my second... Ward Larson book. I I read As- Assassin's Strike. That was the the book for when we first interview Ward, right? Right. I think twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. With the, like the drone stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't. But you know, for reasons I don't really know. You know, life happens. Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> haven't had a chance to catch up with this, but I I wanted to make it a point to one i wanted to be there for the interview with ward very happy to um talk to him again and two i i wanted to read his books because I, I really liked the first one i read and I, I will have to admit this book was a banger yeah like just straight off the like coming off the top rope this book was so good i don't know if it just it had you know some of the things we talked about with in, in the interview with him but it had this this familiar vibe of like you know inner intersecting plot lines from like some of the best thriller books we've read and like, you know, sort of taking those and running with them in a, in a new approach, a new style, adding in your own character, not just like pure copy one, obviously, and I'm not, not saying plagiarism copy one for one, but like true drawing inspiration from some of the greats out there and putting it your own spin on it. Because inevitably in this genre, this is going to be this plot line, right? The vice president, some top political official is going to take a run at the president to assassinate him, to invoke the 25th amendment, whatever. Yeah. Like if you don't do that in your, like in your plot line, then something is, you know, maybe you're waiting to do it. I feel like we, every single author we've read has done a version of this, correct? Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's how well you can do that. It's, it's straightforward. It, like you're saying, it's relatively simple. It's out of, you know, the textbook, you know, the play, the playbook's been written for this, yet it's so refreshing to have someone like Ward Larson do it because he'll bring in little twists with his aviation background. Of course, we're always going to talk to him about that. And it's what makes his books unique and exciting. Then you throw in a really great Mossad trained American killer who works for us, but kind of off the books because he's not an American citizen yet. You know, you throw in all these little quirks, yet you stick to a playbook that's tried and true. And I think that's a recipe for success. And not to rehash a lot of what you already heard in our interview with Ward, but I do want to dig in deeper into a few comments I made. One was, I think before we we started recording, I called him Mr. Consistent. I, I, don't, expect, I don't expect anything different from Ward. Every book just hits. It's a straightforward, easy to keep up with plot, but at the same time, it is building a web of interesting characters 
And the amount of characters we got were just enough to have this whodunit feel that right. elevated the mystery aspect of it all. But it doesn't confuse you. It's not overwhelming. It's just really, really clean and crisp. And the other point I want to rehash, this really feels like Vince Flynn light in the best possible way. Yeah, I totally agree. We almost needed just an entertaining read that doesn't make you think all that hard. After reading Damascus Station, a heavy book, Moscow X, a spy who came in from the cold. We were reading some real heavy stuff that was touching on other genres. And this just felt, it was calming. It was relaxing. It was enjoyable. It was just so much fun to go back to that Vince Flynn style of storytelling that's done in a way that's accessible to so many readers. I think David Slayton is a great way for a lot of readers to get into the thriller genre if they're not already. And, you know, you like you, this was the first time or second book you read in the series. You could jump in anywhere and not feel behind. Every book stands alone, but then there are nuggets like Jammer Davis coming from Ward's other series, Fly By Wire, knowing his background as a Mossad agent and uh, an operative. And Anton Block, his mentor, isn't even mentioned anymore. But once you can see the influences of his training and the people who got him to where he is, it makes the book so much richer. There's so much going on that I love in, in Ward's writing. Yeah. And I, you know, just to follow up on that point, I think like if you dive into his series with this book, it it makes you want to, you know, you're not, you're not missing anything. At least I don't, I don't think you're not missing anything by being introduced to these characters now. But it kind of whets your appetite. Like you want to learn a bit more about uh, uh, the Anna, the Anna character and and Jammer, right? You you, know, you want to learn a bit, a little bit more about how Slayton has gotten to this point with his family. You know, yeah, you know, he's at almost like that Mitch Rap stage, like very very much like similar. Like you know, has a wife, has a has a kid right now. Obviously, this is his own kid. Has another one on the way. Has a one foot in the game, one foot out you know, can't quite decide what he wants to do. You know, at the very end of this book, he gets offered like the head of Sack Sog and, you know, is he going to take it? Probably not. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic and, and it sort of makes you want to then go back. It makes me want to at least want to go back and read some of the other ones to see yeah. how he got to this point. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't feel like I missed anything, you know, to complete this novel, you know? And it also felt like it's totally fine that a lot of this has been done before. Like you said, lean into what makes the genre the genre. Lean into the Vince Flynn's and Brad Thor's and people who set the tone. It completely makes sense because it's so unique at the same time. It's it's a yeah. very different universe, very different fabric. And then throw on that, and let's just actually get to the plot here. Throw on that, an opening banger of a scene. Every mm. single thing about that chopper takedown. Every last detail of that opening, I loved. Absolutely loved. Super gripping. Like it, it, it hooks you on the edge of your seat from the, the very first word. Yes. Like a novel hasn't done that to me in a long time. Like right. some of these are, are more slow burns or we get a quick interaction with our main character that is, you know, intriguing, but, you know, the action kind of dies down quickly. This was breakneck from the beginning made me want to turn the page or you know or in my case keep listening 
you know, at a faster rate. I, I, I in the beginning, I was talk, I was listening at one point five, and I had to bump it up to two because I just wanted to get, wanted to get to where we were going. And I, I do have a comment about the audiobook uh, narrator, but I'll save, I'll save that for later. Really? Okay. You want to talk about it now? Yeah. I mean, let's get into it because I liked him in the sense that I like, like the analogy would be the Brad Thor guy. What's his name again? Armand Schultz. Armand Schultz. I like Armand Schultz for the Brad Thor books. I think he might be a little standard, a little little blah, a little boring for any other series, but I think it works in the Scott Harvath universe. I think this guy, same thing, could come off as a little, little flat, but in this universe, I'm okay with it for some reason. I, I had this weird mixed feeling because there was times where I felt that like when he was reading Slayton, and, and voicing Slayton, I felt that he did a very good job. Like, I, I like that. But his, uh, he just had this way of reading lines where every single the way he ended a line, he kind of like had to rhyme it. Like, and it, it, I, as soon as I picked up on that in my mind, I just, I, I ran with it. Like, it just, it just annoyed the shit out of me. The, really? like, the entire novel. Hmm. And I was hearing it. I don't know. I don't know. I probably have ruined this for you now. If you go, if you go back and as soon as you as soon as you recognize it, that I, I can't even like. But anyways, it's my own like weird earworm things. I try to slow down to speed, speed up the speed, see if it would go away. No, it's just it's just the way this guy talks, and it's when he's doing narration, not when he's doing like actor. When he does yeah. dialogue, it's you know completely fine I the voices are good adapting Swarson. voices of yeah, exactly like doing that stuff but when he's when there's like a long stretch of dialogue it, it's like he feels like he has to rhyme or the inflections like, like at the in, end at the end of the sentence the tone goes up. and it goes up ah uh, okay and i just i picked up on that and it, it drove, drove me nuts but you know I, I could be crazy i could be a psycho killer like you know yeah no I, I maybe that is one of those things that if you take classes on like public speaking or whatnot, like various teacher trainings have mentioned this when your tone goes up at the end, it means that you have less confidence because at the end you're trying to like, make sure the audience knows what you're talking about. Yeah. And, exactly. and yeah, it, I could see that getting very annoying. I, one thing I think it was this book I might've picked up on, but kind of worked for me. The action scenes almost went faster. No, he 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 purposely unlike he picked up speed. other narrators. I I noticed it more here. You know, yeah. it's probably like things that people do, but here I really noticed like some some of the fast action. He's like speed reading. Yeah, he's and it getting was kinda excited. Cool. Like he's, which he, he, I he's liked. Like, like there was one cliffhanger was like, I'm obviously I'm not the quote guy, but like it's like, eh, and he goes like, and there was a giant bomb. Like he just oh, okay. Yeah, okay, Ward's writing does that, though, because he's also very good at the little cliffhangers, and he doesn't take himself too seriously when doing them, which I appreciate. Actually, all of this book and all of his writing, I, I don't think it takes itself too seriously. No. And mm. and that's refreshing, because those cliffhangers when, and then a bomb goes off, and then, you know, is he dead, or did the person come out the other side, don't always work for me. But these very min these little ones worked for me of who made the phone call, who was on the other end. When the president recovers, right? She's in the hospital room and she either opens her eyes or squeezes the hand. Right. You cut scene right there. So it's not like you're building up to something major, like earth shattering, 
but you're giving us a little nugget that we want more of, and then you're cutting it off. Right. Like his 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 breaks, his stops at the end of chapters, I think are the are perfectly timed. Very good. Very, you just very, want very, more, and he takes very it Chris Howdy esque. You know it like is. that that the inner screen channeling his inner screenwriter in him. Yeah, yeah, but you know Chris Howdy's going to have where. Okay, here's the thing. We said it was a very simple ending in some ways. Of course, it was the vice president. <laughs> like, duh, that's the low-hanging fruit. Who else would want to take over from the president and assassinate them? I thought for sure it was his um, chief of staff. Chief of staff, you know, or the but, CIA guy. Right. Well, I for, I forget his name, but um, Heraclides. The, the Heraclides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that it was, was cool. one of those that was a two. Cool name. There's some. There's some like interesting. You know, I, I love how when authors like pick the names of their characters, but Ward had some like new, new choices. Yeah. Like obviously that, you know, I just, I, I found interesting, like Heraclides. Yeah, Did we cool. ever get Monks? The, the backstory, I know we got backstory on him. Did we ever get the name, the backstory of the name? No, because when we go back to his training, he's just like candidate, like 40 something or candidate, you know, we never truly got, if we got his name, it was like, once yeah or maybe it's just manchurian short for manchurian the, Man the manchurian yeah yeah but no his characters are great the names are great it was just enough distinct naming conventions to keep track of who's who and just enough in terms of balance and pacing cutting back to somebody like right when you might lose track of who the chief of staff is it cuts to you a cut room to where him. gross is in full control the vp chief of staff and the actual president Elaine's chief of staff is kind of like backbenched and off to the right. side because his guy or his girl is not in power anymore. And so it's very clearly telling you who the power players are and did just enough with the tapestry of characters to keep me interested, keep me working to figure out who's who. And in the back of my mind, I cleared the VP. I, I said that to Ward. I said there was a little sleight of hand there because there were a few moments it seemed like right. I should like this guy. Right. Like he's actually taking control. He's going to, you know, stabilize America when we needed that leadership and that stability. So I'm like, okay, maybe he is the right guy to do this right now. But then his his chief of staff seems scummy. And then Anna getting kicked out of the CIA, she feels a firing coming because this new guy's clearing house. So is he the mastermind of this assassination attempt for his own political gain? And, and it was just enough to keep me wondering – Obviously, I thought the VP from the beginning, because actually when the plane goes down and when we hear the attack happened, he cuts next scene to the VP and we get a whole chapter with a description of the VP, Lincoln Quarles. Right. And so I'm like, okay, it can't be him then. Like that's too easy to it's have an assassination easy. of the president, then cut to the It'll VP right getting down. sworn in and, and it was him. But then Ward did that. So I really liked how it was simple at the same time as it kept you interested. It was a great balance. Yeah, I mean, sometimes simple is best. Simple that's is better. Right. You know, right. keep it simple, stupid. You know, that's right. <laughs> like so. And that's why it was refreshing because we just came off some heavy books, like books that are not simple. Moscow X is woo. That goes deep, man. And even even like uh, Brad's like latest novel and, and you know Kyle's last novel just had some other overtones of things that we're kind of thinking about, and just to like go into this series, you know. One, not having to worry about the weight of a series finishing, not having to have to tackle. Obviously, there's some geopolitical aspects to this. Obviously, you know, we mentioned it on the interview with him, but 
you know, bringing in China. Like we, we, we don't, we don't see this a lot with some of our, um, our thriller writers going into Taiwan at the very end. Like, yeah, that was a bold choice. Um, what'd you think of Hong Kong? Because we had a lot of scenes taking place there. Did you like how Slayton was kind of snooping around? He had this knock, this NOC, right? Non-official, or he had the chauffeur. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas slash Monk. So Great I, reveal. I was going to ask you did, you, did you pick up on it that Thomas was Monk? Like, when did you pick up on it? Like, when he turned, when he when he shot him in the end or you know? it was a little earlier than that yeah, i wouldn't same. say it was too early though because no for the while i just i just thought he was this this cup you know this this asset yeah and and i thought ward was trying to make a character we're gonna fall in love with who might be around for a sure. while kind of yeah, like the odd same. job guy right like anytime we got to do an op in asia somewhere this guy's gonna show up and be your man I was you know you can use too. him yeah, yeah. yeah you can use him for however many books you need because he was working so well with Slayton. But then as the pieces started to fall into place, I'm like, he was a little too good. Like, he's right. a little too on it, too precise, too perfect. Something had to be wrong. And so I really think I only started realizing once Slayton did. Because he, mm. he asked a question at one point, but shoveled it, you know, towards the back of his mind. And he kind of put it on the back burner. Yeah, didn't didn't answer the question. Yeah, he didn't answer questions. He's like, "That's for another time." And then, as he's running towards him, thinking he's his getaway, it clicked right at the right. perfect moment. Right. Oh, and then how he explains to Sorensen how his uh, his buttons didn't line up, so he's not military trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little details like that are just priceless. Yeah, and I think it shows you how you know if you don't have any sort of back history with Slayton, it 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 be really develops his character and shows you like how in tune with it, how, how that good of an operator he is. Yep. You know, speaking of Hong Kong, I thought, you know, going to this new area, we haven't had a lot of interactions here. I think we've had a, like Brad's been in this area maybe once or twice. I don't know if Mitch has ever act, like interacted here. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, I can't think of a China scene, but yeah, no, I, you know, it was cool. It, a new environment. I felt like we got, uh, you know, some pretty nice descriptions of the setting, both in Macau yeah. and in Hong Kong. Yeah. I would love, I think this is a ripe, you know, obviously a lot of different spy movies, action movies, you know, take place in these sort of CD Macau and, and Hong Kong and then, like, you know, the back alley with the triads yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So it's, it's a, it's ripe for this genre, but it doesn't often land. Well, at least in the books we've read, we haven't, we haven't visited here before. And I thought, you know, it was it was a nice sort of change of pace. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, I might have one of my uh, critiques, particularly as we move into the scorecard. Part of the Hong Kong scene, I, I guess maybe the fire, right? When, when they start the fire at the house. I just think things got a little jumbled at that point. I really liked mm -hmm. when he was setting up the sniper shot initially. And I love the little play of he took the first shot, then missed the second one. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why. The same way, you know, Sorensen and the teams at CIA right. couldn't figure out, that Monk couldn't figure out, the Trident, you know, and their contact, who we don't know is the VP yet, but their contact can't figure out. And same with me. I was racking my brain. And then it clicked. I was like, he needs him. If he thinks it's a setup, he got ambushed. The only right. person needs who would get to reveal the source of who hired him for the, who hired the Filipino dudes for the ambush is going to be the one you're trying to assassinate. So when it clicked, it was just fun. It didn't click at first for me. 
the, the fire scene though. So we start the fire and then they're trying to force him out and Monk's there at the exact same time because he, he got hired now to come back for the kill to finish the job that he wasn't able to do or wasn't able to get Slayton to do. And again, maybe this is just me. You can't really see much in a fire. So I, I have some experience in the volunteer fire service. And man, so many writers or movies, they just have people walking around, buildings burning. It seems like they're taking their sweet time. They're just doing what they got to do. You can identify people. You can look for weapons. You can pick things up. You can walk around. No way, man. Once those things are ripping, no absolute friggin' way. You can't breathe. You're sucking for air. You're knocked out in a few seconds. Like the Fire Academy, man. They put us in a room and said, we're just going to burn one wooden pallet. And then you got to take your mask off. And literally within like 30 seconds, we're all just dying, gasping for air. So the way some of these books just have people romping through a fire and having conversations, uh, it's one of my pet peeves. So I, I got to mm. say, I, I lost some uh, some buy-in score right there. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I will say like the fact that the I, I was bought in all the way up to the point where he, you know, he's in this fire and he has like his, I guess he has a mask so he can like breathe. But how is he able to see like some ammo and then right. use that ammo to make no. a hot mic? And no, like, no, no. I feel like all this stuff is like, is that so quick intuition thinking that that would happen in the middle of a fire? You have seconds. Meanwhile, you're trying to, and then these guys upstairs, they're, they're refusing to come downstairs. But wouldn't they be so... Like the smoke would have forced them to, you know, either pass out or just want to re get relief, 100%. right? Or not, not even be able to move, right? Like you can't go room to room very easily. Like you know, it's right. yeah, they would have been flushed out way earlier. Yeah. So I mean, it's all like convenient. You know, if you had to pick apart at the cracks of like the, you know, how Slayton is going to get his mark without you know, one killing him without having Monk, you know, in, in the interaction, like it, it was a perfect setup for that. Does it check out um, physics wise? <laughs> you know, probably not. But some of the things were quite kind of, you know, yeah. funny and cool about it. Like the fact Keeps that the he, plot moving. yeah, he, he takes out the guy and he can't fit into the suit, but it doesn't like, yes. it doesn't matter because no one can see, like he gets like some of those details, like correct. Yeah. You know, and, at that point, I'm just like, all right, I want to, I want to just get to know how he's going to get to the vice president, you know, right. how he's going to like, you know, so I, I wasn't really, but now that I like think back on it, it like kind of irks me a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I can definitely see why, especially with your background, why, why that would lose some buy-in points for me. And, and some other part, maybe the bigger overarching issue here is really how much I'm bought into the Trident. It unfortunately... I wouldn't say it was as bad as Legion in Oath of mm -hmm. Loyalty, but we've built up something that in the last book, at least, and I don't know if you so I, yeah, I have no experience with the last book. Yeah. So you're, you, you'd be the only one that could speak to what the Trident really means. Uh, uh, so, well, so not really, because it was hinted at Assassin's Edge. And I don't want to spoil it for you because it's definitely worth reading. Like, from Assassin's Strike to Assassin's Edge is just back-to-back -back bangers. It's really good, and there's this huge false flag operation and massive geopolitical consequences, like fallout on the scale of U.S.-Russia nuclear war possibly around the corner in a way that you buy, right? In a way that is realistic and 
insane. But we learn the fl- false flag operation was set up by the Trident. And that's pretty much it. That literally the Chinese were behind it. And that's like, dang, we just did a Russia book. Boom, we're going into a China book. So we didn't know much about the Trident. We knew it was three three Chinese officials doing something. We do get a description here that they're on the outs with the with the CCP. Like I right. thought that was a good explainer of why they're not actually that badass or or doing much. They were kind of kicked to the to the curb. So uh, they were kind of excluded from party leadership and 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 real authority, and they just had to go into the private enterprise and try to lay low, essentially. Hence, why you're in Macau, you know, doing shady shit. So, I, you know, like I, I like that; it was okay. But maybe I wanted a little bit more out of these guys. Like, what are they still doing after being so powerful in the last book? What are they still doing now to give them power besides assassinating the U.S. president? which they really weren't even doing. So I just think I wanted to see a little bit more of what they were doing before I'm really brought, bought into this mission of we have to kill them. The VP has to get a super assassin to go after them. And maybe Slayton felt that way too, being pulled from his family, kind of like, why the hell do I have to go do this? I think Slayton felt that way too, of like, is this really that big a priority? Am I going to risk my life and you know time with my family? or even the chance to return to my family for this. And I was asking the same question. Were these guys worth yeah. it? These schmucks? I think it's more so like an overreaction from Quarles, the vice president, you know, like, cause he wanted to clean up his contacts, you know, the, the people. Yeah, exactly. With. Trying to tie up the loose ends. Yeah. Quicker than probably needed. He probably could have just let Trident play out as this, this villain and, and, you know, sort of, I don't know. He, there, you could have done a lot with them instead of like just immediately trying to, because they, they didn't own too much leverage over him. They obviously didn't know who he was. I mean, they said that, yeah. the, the, you know, you could deduce who it was, but like, if you don't actually have the information of it, then you can't prove shit. So yeah, now that I think about that, that is, it's like you, you, you the, the Trident could have been a three book arc. It really could have. Yeah. I would have been okay with that. So and then them hanging something over the head of the VP. If if we right. weren't going to wrap this book up that way, you could have played out that a little longer. Yep. Totally agree. Well, we covered a lot of stuff. Um, if we didn't think the whole fire action sequence scene was like our favorite, I've got to say a nice middle ground because the first action scene, absolute, you know, perfectly done. The golf shot, the assassination <laughs> on the golf shot right in between was just also perfect like very yeah. very smart that was a cool scene, scene. That was a cool we scene. talked about that with ward so we said it already but yeah damn it's genius it's genius that and you know like the final action scene where they go we go back to this house this abandoned house that slayton um sort of staked out and his final altercations with monk i thought that scene was kind of cool yeah. again there's this thing that happens when maybe it's just because I listen to audiobooks, but when like readers, you you know, you're in this like fast cutting action that's written on the page and then they're trying to do their own thing to like add suspense and some things can get like kind of jumbled. And I, I always think back to the oil like refinery scene between Grisha and, and Mitch. Like it, yes, things are happening so fast that like you, you can't, if you don't have a visual, it's kind of like hard to like 
comprehend what is actually going on on the page. And the writing got over detailed in the sure. Mitch and Grisha scene. I think Kyle wanted to put so much detail to make it feel like you were there, but it was over detailed to the point of, I didn't know what the hell was going on at one right. point. So I felt a little bit of that here where I'm like, you know, as soon as the RPG hits, it's like, you know, what the hell's going on? But ultimately with the the glass yes. and, you cool. know, him knowing that, you know, he's safe and like the two bullets, like that, that scene was pretty cool. So I thought that was cool. I'm just wondering why Monk didn't see it. He would have known the same thing about the glass. Yeah, I have, I have no idea how you could. Uh, I think back to what did I recently watch? Um, where they try? Oh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> um, I rewatched uh, Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation. Anyways, they get they get somebody to like fall down in to an area. And it's like a, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a glass box and they, they lock them in. And so, um, it, you need that, some it just of that. reminded me of that. Yeah. You need that suspension of disbelief sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm okay with that in limited quantities for this book because I'm having fun with it. Uh, and what did you think of the, uh, the drone, like the unmanned drone that they, uh, they hitch a ride on the way out with? That was kind of cool. Again, pretty cool. And that's a ward larcenism. Yeah. It really is. He's got to have stuff like that. Some cool, you know, that, Something that's not even on the books yet, you know, um, concept art, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Although he gave me enough, like I wouldn't have needed more. The Kevlar drones using the Kevlar webbing and rope to, to oh, take yeah. down Marine One. That was enough for me. That one did it so well. If that was all the tech we got in the book, I was fine with it. I love that. I thought that was so creative. In in a in a business that is so saturated with ways to kill people <laughs> and mm-hmm. that like the creative energy that's been put into that. Think of all the hours that authors have collectively put into coming up with cool ways to kill people, particularly very protected people like the president. That was among one of the cooler and more creative ways. It, yeah. like, <laughs> it, it just shows the before. boundless, you know, creativity of some people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a couple of things we're missing, but I think maybe we'll talk about them during the scorecard, and and particularly one we kind of have to, I guess for good guys, is Jammer Davis. So mm. there's a couple of scenes, especially with his family and the Canada stuff. Maybe we just get into that as we go through the scorecard sure. for some loose ends. Sounds good. So since we did action, and we really did the general overview of the plot, where are you putting action and plot, the most important two scores on the scorecard? I think I'm going to go like ooh, like an 8.5 for action and an 8 for the plot. You know, some solid, solid stuff. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think 8 is fair on the action. Some things were a 10. Some things were yeah, exactly. a 6, like 6 if, 7. If I, if I was to rate it off of the opening scene, it would be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. But plot? surprisingly in my mind, I thought I'd be lower than action just because it was so simple, but, but I was able to access it and enjoy it because of that. So I think I'm also going to go eight with you. It was a great plot. had me interested. Uh, Some of Ward's plots, I think have been a little bit more well-developed, well-fleshed out, but I actually want to give it credit for being simple. So I'm okay with that because it made for a very nice, clean read. So I think an eight really captures the good and the bad. Oh, you bought into the story. What's your buy-in? Dude, I was really bought in. 
I was too. I, I might go five on buy it. Like I just, I don't know if that's too high. I just, I thought, you know, it's one, you just said it was a very intricate new way of coming up with this idea, you know, how, how to, in, you know, take something and innovate it and make it believable. If I had to ding it and like bring it down to a 4.5, it would be, you know, some of the things you mentioned at the end, like the wrapping up of the story, the conveniences, um, the fire stuff, the monk, him and him, him and monk's interaction at that house. Uh, so maybe, maybe it doesn't quite deserve that perfect five, but it's close to it with a 4.5. Yeah, I, I obviously dinged it as we talked about. I don't think I'm going to go down a full point because it wasn't enough to make me not care about the story. It was doing just enough, even with a few plot holes where I was okay with, like I said, that suspension of disbelief. So I'm going to go four and a half with you then, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I could have gone a little lower, but I, I don't need to ding it. I was having a good time. Now, bad guys. I, I mentioned a quarrel with the Trident. Thought yeah. they were good, not great. We didn't see much of them. But then if you pick Monk, and particularly early on, again, first half of this book, I, I don't know why I was vibing with it a little bit more than the second half. Laszlo and Magda, the two operatives mm. that Monk uses and, and assassinates I really, I the really like them. Yeah, I, was, I, 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 I knew they weren't long for... For the story but i they were intriguing same i knew they were pawns and when he pushed her out the plane and killed them on the plane i was like it makes sense so i'm gonna go four i think that point is because of the the trident not really being as fully fleshed out as i would have hoped i guess you could take the vp and him as a bad guy as well which kind of works you know that was satisfying so i think i'm gonna go four on all that because i did like monk i did like the earlier bad guys and I thought the idea of a whodunit, anyone could have been a bad guy throughout sure. the story, really worked for me. I I have to agree with you. I, for all those same points, I, you know, I, I liked Monk as as it's like, if you wanted to give him the big, big bad quarrels, you know, I, I can't like give it super high points. It's, he, he's good, intriguing, but again, it's like we've kind of mentioned, it's, it's, it's the obvious pick, um, but he's, you know, still an interesting character. Yeah, so board is yeah what about the good guys though good guys have to be a five for me yeah i mean clear winner of this book besides the helicopter scene and not to steal it if you were going to say one of these two but the two winners for me is the helicopter scene and jammer davis what he does for davy and christine just to protect slayton and let him do what he's got to do knowing they're safe and how slayton called him in with uh some some back channel protocol and even alerted his wife to what was going to happen with their with their back channels, I just thought it was a lot of fun. So all the good guys from Anna running cover for him at the CIA, giving him the tools he needs, Jammer coming in, protecting his family, taking them up to Canada in the seaplane. Great cast of characters. Uh, it makes me want a little more of the old school David Slayton characters because there were some people earlier in his life who who were awesome. But I think Jammer is is doing what he's got to do. Yeah, I I really liked Anna. I, I, I'm intrigued by her character and this idea that she might become the VP in the future. You know, going forward. Obviously, I would love to read more about Jammer Davis. I thought that, you know, even like the the Asian hooker that he saves, oh, like yeah. like those scenes with him and then her sister the doctor, were the were, were in, with the, the 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 oral half surgeon, dentist. the half the half oral surgeon. That was funny. Uh, or interesting. A little comedic relief there. Yeah. So. 
you know, I, I, I think like, and then this is my first interaction with Slayton. So I got to rate him and the good guys too. So, or like my first time talking about him on the pod. Um, I think he's a very intriguing character, you know, sort of this almost like a man without a country at the moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause he's mm -hmm. not American. Doesn't seem to be associated with Israel anymore. So yeah, I, I it's a five out of five for this book. Yeah. The good guys shine as they usually tend to. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder what the last book was. We didn't give a five on the good guys. And sometimes maybe like a Brad Thor book where sometimes his random cast of characters, they just kind of put the gang together. Doesn't really land where a lot of times with Brad, it does. I feel like we've had a few where it doesn't. And I think you could tell by our good guy score, if that book is seriously going to be among our favorites Right. Or if it's going to be just middle of the pack. I think once yeah. you start going four or three for good guys, it's clearly not, it's not a good sign. Yeah, that book is probably probably going to be in the 30s. <laughs> setting. A um, couple of ways you can go with this. How do you lean for setting? Um, you know, like when I think of like a high score for setting, I think of like a memorable, like did, did, the author take me to that place and like vividly describe it and like I could visualize it. And I, I don't want to say it wasn't like, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, it definitely isn't the best I've seen. Yeah. So I can't give it that perfect score. I don't know, like a, like a three and a half, uh, three. I don't know. What, what are you thinking? I think you're right, but I have to go a little bit higher for two reasons three reasons okay. one on the potomac or anacostia off haynes point no when he, the chopper he does goes down that very well it does good dc very well that was a lot of fun second point when well actually the golf course because you you and i could picture that very well that was a clear one to visualize uh but also the hong kong taking the shot you know kind of up on this like sewer bank and it it felt stormy and it was raining and he sets up this makeshift makeshift sniper's tent and then when he parachutes down that hill right I that was kind of cool and, and then he then he falls into you know the reservoir like a ravine yeah the reservoir. like that yeah that was that was cool me and him going too little too low but. no I think that scene though is hard to place because we don't have a specific not don't a specific knowledge of it you know sure. it's not like everybody knows the name of this reservoir in Hong Kong. And can picture that one. Yeah. But what Ward did well was allow us to picture a generic one or what it would be if we were up on this hill looking through this apartment complex into the window. So I feel like it was hard to make perfect. But for what you needed to do, it was done very well. Right. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do it perfectly because it's not a well-known, you know, objectively well-known place. And then third, I have to give it some cred. Again, can't go perfect, but I have to give it some cred because of Canada. I think Davy wanting to fly the seaplanes, and then they had to go fly the plane to get a signal in a nearby town. The remote wilderness, I was getting hints of Wolf Trap, the Connor Sullivan. Yeah, even book, the, or sleeping even the great descriptions of Canada that we get with, with those you know quick Davy and his wife. What's his wife's name? Wife's name again? Christine. Christine and, and Davy. Like, I... I mean, maybe it's just, again, it's because I, I've been there and I, 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 or I haven't been to Canada, but I've been to like, you know, upper Montana and like, and he got it right. imagine, 
I'm imagining like those areas and the way he was describing it, like it, like it brought me back there. And yeah. maybe that's why I didn't connect too much to this description of this Hong Kong town. I was just imagining like, you know, someplace in, I guess it has to be a little more hill. I was imagining like San Francisco for some reason. Um, yeah, I get that. I could see like, that. A very crowded. Yeah. Like a crowded area. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it deserves like a four. Yeah, I think I was I was gonna go four and a half, but I'll agree it's not done perfectly. You got to remember that that uh, DC scene early on, though. And yeah. Even the White House scenes are great. Yeah, you know those scenes are really good too. I wouldn't say it's transfer of power level, but no, but good. it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. So I think a four is is good. Cover. I Dude. love it. I love it. I really like the cover too. I really like it. And you know go what? Five. I'm going five. five. It almost has, it's almost cartoony. It's so funny because it's like Ward's books. He's doing something we love in the Vince Flynn style, which could be incredibly technical and really like really deep, but it's almost like a light version. Like I said it before, Vince Flynn light. Look at Anna Sorensen, Irene Kennedy light. Look at Jammer Davis. You know, he's Scott. Scott. Um, he would appreciate that. You know what? Oh, I think he would just because, again, he, he I don't think he takes himself too seriously. You know, like to do what Vince Flynn did and create a Mitch rap and create that universe, like that's shooting for the stars. So I think to do that in your own way, that doesn't take itself too seriously, that doesn't need to try to recreate a Clancy or like you can describe airplanes as well as Jack Carr can describe guns. Sure. And yet you do it in an accessible way. Like you got to admit Jack Carr's technical and gearhead talk sometimes sometimes could turn off a reader especially you know someone you know the laity like like you or i i every time ward talks about airplanes it's like i want to sit down at his feet and just listen like i wish he was yeah, a professor true. you know on this stuff so like making it a light version that's accessible to the masses I, I think is a good thing so sorry ward if you take that as an offense but vince flynn light it, to me is just a great description and it makes your books fantastic. So five for the cover. The reason I, I, I say all that with the cover is it almost comes off as cartoonish. There's something about it that has like a oversimplified, like it's just this yellow and, and blue, like it's almost oversimplified. But again, like the rest of the book, I'm fine with that. Mm. The target on the helicopter say- there doesn't have to be some super detailed radar target making you think this is Tom Clancy. It's just some like generic clip art looking target, but it works. I will say the 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 cover fits the book. Ex- that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Is it my favorite cover? No, so I can't give it a five. But I don't know. It's a solid four. It's it, playful. It, it's play. Yeah, but it relates too. Let's judge the cover by the book. This is just screaming those opening scenes of the transfer yeah, of no, power. It, I, Marine I one it, down. It just something something about it. Really. All right, I'm, I'm going but five. It, that's but that's the entire series is that, and that's he's, he's been consistent like that. I've because I've seen all the all you know all of his his cover art that he puts yep. out there. So Mister Consistent, absolutely. Yeah, I like. Right, it. Well, who, I, who's your you, you got to pick either Jamma or J, J, Jamma Jammer or um, who was the other person you said? Less a person, more of just the opening sequence, just bringing down right. the chopper with, with right. the drones. So you know I could pick either of those. So I want to hear your your winner. I was going to pick Anna. I thought she was like the secret okay. winner of this book. I thought, uh, 
you know, she, she's pretty ballsy. She takes her, her new boss head on pretty much discovers the entire plot on her own, has this great relationship with the, the real president so much so that at the very end she gets offered the vice presidency and, you know, invokes this, this feeling of, 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 for me, nostalgia with Irene Kennedy, like, you know, I wanting to, I like her a lot um, and I want to read more about her. So for me, yeah. it's Anna. Anna's the, my winner for for this book. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Since I already said two, let me give a runner up. The president's husband. When oh, that yeah. dude gets the shot on the VP, <laughs> gets the chance to great. take him out. That was great. And when he's at the hospital uh, and even tracks down, I think it was Markowitz, the, the chief of staff. And convinces him to come back and br- who he brings into the plot. He's like that gatekeeper for uh, his wife in the hospital. I just thought it was was a really cool little role to write in. And and the way when the president wakes up or we hear that she's conscious, but they're keeping it under wraps, I thought it was a really cool plot device that worked. In fact, that kind of, I kind of forgot about that. Makes me want to up my score on plot a little bit here, to be honest with you. Can I do that? I forgot how much I really enjoyed the president in the hospital. Coming back yet knowing oh, there's a mole. Oh yeah, and not not wanting um yeah anyone to know about it because there's a mole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I, detail. that actually made the plot a lot deeper, and that little twist really I thought brought some complexity. So I, I'm I'm gonna just bump up my plot to eight and a half. It wasn't sitting right with me this whole time. I thought eight felt a little low when <laughs> I gave it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that puts you at a forty-four. And me at a 43. We're pretty even. We like this book. Um, yeah. It's one of the better ones we've read. So absolutely, yeah. definitely recommend anyone out there to pick up, pick up a copy of this book. Or if you're a completist, you know, start the series. This is what book nine, right? Nine plus a novella assassins dawn. And actually Chris, that's a novella. So you can rip through that pretty quick and it gives the origins of David Slayton okay. and being massage right. trained. Yeah. I'll check that out. That's a good sure. quick read. Yeah, and go check out our interview with Ward, talking about the book. And you, you've had the chance to talk to him. What? This is our, your fourth time talking to him. Yeah, Assassin's Strike, and then I think Assassin's Edge and Assassin's Dawn. I think I talked about both of those with him. So, and his one-off. Oh yeah, Deep Fake, Deep Fake, dude. Did you, you read that have, one? I think you might have. You might. I didn't. So you might have. Um, Talk to him five times. Oh, no. You know what? I think we did Edge and Dawn at the same time because they came mm. out the same year. Gotcha. So this was the fourth time because we put those two together. Dude, I like everything he's putting out. I I really do. I like everything he's putting out there. He deserves so much more uh, recognition. He deserves to blow up. I'll be honest with you. Just I 100% agree. Sky high. Yep. Deep Fake was awesome standalone. Dude, fantastic book. All right, that's that's the book. So next time we will be bringing you. We're gonna we're gonna go back to uh, back to Brad Thor, right? It's Brad Thor time. Got to do, do it. Blacklist, baby. Blacklist. Let's go. And let's that that will allow us to kick off the new year with our Brad Thor first half recap. Yes, that'll yes, be good. Yes, yes. And there was a uh, there was something else we were we, we were thinking about doing in the works. Yeah, it that? got delayed a little bit couple of scheduling issues, but we want to cover the whole Sons of Valor series, one, yes. two, and three. We want to bring back Andrews and Wilson. We had to push it off a little bit, but I think between doing some Brad Thor stuff, 
covering Sons of Valor. That's going to take us like pretty much through January. So sometime in the near future, you and I, Chris, will have to sit down and make our first half reading list of 2024. I really want to be able to post that around Christmas time for the folks to to bring in the new year, knowing what books Different. are coming. We've got a couple of suggestions from our patrons. We're going to get our patron book club up and going again, round number two in the springtime. So we'll have to sit down and make that schedule of our 2024 to be read list. 2024. Yeah. And I think it might be fun to record over the you know next uh, two or three weeks and a recap of 2023. Maybe we'll pick out our go back and highlight because we, you know, jumping around from podcast to pot, you know, we have the three feeds now. Like, yeah. Maybe highlight some of the books we like, some of the episodes we really enjoyed, just to give them a little New Year's treat or well, pre-New Year's treat. I like that. A year in review. A year in review. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a great idea. Let's do it. All right, guys. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Oh, and shout out to Sherry for those awesome shirts, which yes. we we all are wearing for our talk uh, about the spy who came in from the cold. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Slayton be Slayton. <laughs>